0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off.
1: From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday, our show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. On September 9th, the Apollo Theater in New York City opened its fall season with Wyclef Sean. It was a performance unlike any other. There was no audience. There was only a very small crew. There was just Wyclef rocking out on a stage in front of a camera that streamed him to us.
0: As a kid growing up, I played air guitar, right? So air guitar, you're in front of the mirror and you got the broom and you're imagining the audience is there and you're doing like your Eddie Van Halen solo, you know what I'm saying, R.I.P. Jump, by the way. Doing your Eddie Van Halen solo, and then you put up your hands and you're like, good night, thank you for coming. You know, with your fake, the worst Cockney accent ever, like your Brooklyn, Jersey Cockney accent. Thank you for coming. So I would say it felt like that.
1: 2020 has been a strange year. Imagine if someone had told you last Christmas that this is how live performance would look this year. Some careers have weathered these transitions elegantly, like mine, but others have yet to fully regain their momentum absent in-person connection. I got talking to Wyclef earlier this year. He has a new podcast and a YouTube show, Run That Back, and I wanted to talk to him about how he got into music, what music meant to him. But it only took a few minutes to figure out that as important as music is to Wyclef, It's all about the people for him. It's about talent, about connection, about supporting folks. So for our last episode of the year, I want to bring you into the Zoom room with me and Clef this fall. It's morning. He's just back from the gym and sitting on the piano bench. We each have a cup of coffee. Feel free to pour yourself one too. Uh, Bonjour, ça passé?
0: Ça a fait.
1: I've loved your music since I was a really nerdy teenager in the 90s. I understand that you you made your own instruments. You were a, a real DIY musician early on, right?
0: Yeah. Not only did I make my own instruments, I created sound. I always say like the score is probably the best template. When we was doing a score, there was like practically no budget, right? You feel me? So. Because we was coming from an album called Blunted on Reality, like the Fugees. So Blunted on Reality was like the first Fuji album, right? So Khalees Bayan literally worked on the first Fuji album, which was Blunted on Reality. And uh, a a producer by the name of Salam Remy did the Fugees remix, Nappy Heads. So, yo, Mona Lisa, can I get a date on Friday? And if you're busy, what am I taking Saturday? And, oh,
1: yeah.
0: So um, that was the start, you know what I mean? So by the time we got to the score, there was no budget, right? So literally, I went into my uncle's basement. His name is um, Renault Duplessis, with my cousins. And I was like, damn, we don't have a Fender Rhodes, right? <laughs> so what are we going to do? So the first thing we did was we bought an old MCI board. And this this MCI board, okay, so the best way I can explain it to you. So we're in East Orange, New Jersey, and I always say there's a basketball court and then there's a crack house, crack building behind us, right? The reason why the crack house is so important to the to this story is because the fiends would literally always have things, different things to sell. You know what I mean? So they could come and be like, yo, I got a VCR, you feel me? Anything that they sell you, nine times out of 10, you literally have to open the whole thing over and fix all the mechanics in it. It's not going to work. You feel me? So I would <laughs> say that, that probably was the start of like my engineering tool, like force engineer to fix these pieces because if you fix these pieces, you can sell them. You see what I'm saying to Uh you? So what that did was by the time that we had that old board, we was able to like fix it, you know, then we got a four, five, six Ampex rail. We was able to fix it. And so in Killing Me Softly, right? Um, In the beginning, you hear. right so and the sound that you hear that in is a fender roads right so literally anyone who understands or buys equipment they go that's a fender roads we couldn't afford a fender roads so what that is is a s900 sine wave that i manipulated to sound like a fender roads from the um from a wave from a sine wave because what happens is before we can name something instruments, right, it's a sound. It's just a human vibration, right? So there's a portion of us that operates off of vibration, and sometimes we don't channel that as much. And I feel like a lot of what what people are feeling from the score, like that sub-wave feeling, is like that back to the ancient times, like when you don't have, you know, like when you don't have the equipment and you're trying to figure out this sound and then it produces this this big bang theory you know what i'm saying like this new algorithm so that's some of my brain space
1: <laughs> i want to start with your performance at the apollo theater in september what was it like
0: i would say it felt like you know performing for my imaginary friend so in your brain the first thing is i can't see you but i know that you're there right so it's like, it's no slacking. And what no slacking mean, the hardest part for me and my little team of Avengers was how do we take an album like the carnival where everybody's on lockdown, they're on quarantine, no one could really move anywhere and you know make the performance something that people could feel. So my first initial idea was to hook up with a great animation team. These kids are really incredible. Full Fight Studios. So they're great animators. And I was like, okay, what if we can animate half of the show, right? So we started off by animating the skits, you know, cause the skits is a classical part of it. And then after that, I did an audition and under the lockdown, it was like, are there like a couple of kids that are influenced by the Fuji's, but that are like really maniacs, like Fuji maniacs uh, in 2020? And I came across like three kids that were insanely brilliant musicians, but they had the pulse. So we put a little band together. So it was very entertaining for me because I still had people around to play with. And I feel like the combination of the animation, the the production at the Apollo Theater... Um, what the audience was watching was very eye-candy. And I was very happy with like the results how it came out.
1: What role does the audience play in your performance? You, when they're there with you in person, do you feel them? And does it feed your music in some way?
0: The vibration that an audience gives you, there is not a drug on the planet that beats that high. You're like in God mode. And God mode in the sense of like mythology, you know what I mean? You literally, it's almost like the more they cheer, the more they vibe, because it's like just sending waves your way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like frequencies. And anyone that been a our show will tell you, it's like being at a revival. And the connection with that audience is something that when you leave off the stage, you still have it in you. And it inspires you because you go, man. These people have given me so much love. What can? What's the next thing that I'm gonna do? So it gives you that human connection to really understand, like, oh shit, this is why we was really created. This part of it is a, a one of the most essential part of it. The idea of the human connection,
1: you know. Yeah, I think you can you can hear that in music. That the most magical music is a fusion between the the musician and the people who are feeding on the music. And and I say that because I want to know what happens now, now that we can't be with you regularly when you're performing. Does that go away? Can we capture it in other ways?
0: It really don't go away. So you got two kinds of musicians, right? You got the true musician and a fake musician, all right? The fake musician is constantly looking at the billboard, constantly listening to the radio, constantly having to adjust because they want to fit a wave, right? The true musician wakes up every day, and I promise you, it's like drinking a cup of coffee. The first thing that they do, they either jump on a beat machine, you know they jump on the piano they jump on it they are just creating because the this is like one of the greatest therapeutic parts so a true musician every day you're doing music so in saying that when the lockdown happened i had absolutely no equipment right because um it was in jersey and it was serious so i literally was like okay i am suffocating what am i going to do i took my phone and my other phone and I created a song which was called Distance, right? And Distance was like, I have absolutely no equipment. So when you're hearing Distance, a lot of the voice notes was coming from WhatsApp and we was trading files literally from phone to phone. The tempos was coming from my brain. So now I can only touch you through sound, through vibration, through a movement, of letting you know what I feel. So I say that the playing field now is very level now. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what I feel.
1: Well, and of course, our listeners can't see you the way I can see you right now. It's, it's mid-morning. You've got your cup of coffee. I've got mine. And you're sitting on a piano bench. And I get the feeling that maybe-
0: With my hoodie after, <laughs> you know, after killing the gym. You know, I'm, I'm all about the calisthenics.
1: I'd like to tell you I've already been to the gym, too, but I would be lying.
0: Don't worry. Uncle Wyclef will send you the regimen.
1: Perfect. That's great. But that sense that we've hit this moment for maximum creativity because the tools have suddenly changed. The constraints have been introduced. The pandemic has just introduced so many constraints. Now is a time when the playing field is level. How do you identify new talent?
0: Well, you identify new talent by a vibration, and a lot of people's like, "clef, you gotta give us more than that okay, so here's a little more than that. How did I know like Lauren Hill was it, right? How did yeah. I know that Beyonce would be it like right from the this is all like beginning concepts, right? because they had the it factor now you say, clef, what is the it factor? The it factor is something that you could just feel without seeing it, right? So at the end of the day, it could be sports, it could be music, it could be tech. The person either walks in a room and they give you this aura, this energy. It might be a two minute conversation and you're like, oh shit, this person's the next Steve Jobs. You know what I mean? Or you see a kid plays the guitar and you're like, man, this kid is the next Hendrix. So for me, um, there's people that sing and then there's people that sign. So when, you know, Whitney Houston, she don't signed, you know, Mary J blah, she inside. You know what I mean? So, so for me, it's more just the pulse. I grew up in a Caribbean gospel church. So by the age of like 11 to 12 years old, my main job was to put the choir together. And in putting the choir together now, you gotta know where the soprano, the tenor, the alto. Now, here's the most important thing about putting the choir together, people. Who's going to sing the lead on this Sunday morning? My daddy would be saying, this Sunday, somebody has lost their job this Sunday. Somebody has a disease this Sunday. Somebody feel like they will not live the next day. And your job is to make sure that that person leaves feeling good, right? So now my job is who's the anointed one? Who's that person that can constantly... When they get up and they start going, I'll be, I'll be a witness. It makes you just want to like go to the river. Like I gotta every Sunday we gotta take you to the river. So I think like that definitely helped in the sense of the tools. I was excited because a few years ago, after running for president of Haiti, coming back to the stage, I went and spent a little time with Avicii, and because the music was changing, and uh, I reached out to Madeline Nelson. Very excited because they were building what was called Heads Music, and Madeline's model was like, "I want to be a female Barry Gordy," you know what I'm saying? And I was like, "Oh, this is real interesting. It's a female label." And at the time, I was trying to work on a headphone deal for uh, DJ Khaled, so we the best. And so I was doing a deal with Bang and Olufsen, and I felt Maddie would be the best person to negotiate the deal. And just FYI, ain't nobody going to negotiate better than a woman, you might as well kill that. So she goes, yeah, yeah, no problem. I will help you with the, the DJ Khaled thing, but I would like you to be a partner with me and Heads Music, is an all-female label. And I have all of these young artists and I want you to do the same thing you did for Lauren, for Beyonce, for Shakira, for Whitney. For... So, um, so now I'm playing in a pool of just a new nest of artists. So what I say is what's incredible about my life is I said Quincy Jones did not find Michael Jackson till he was fifty-three. So in turning fifty now, I feel like the plethora of talent and the ability and through a brand new network um of having to get a chance to like restart over again. Like, man, I can't even ask for nothing. It's like I'm just living my dream, you
1: know? Clev, listening to you talk, you're talking about music, but You're also talking about running for president of Haiti. You're talking about spotlighting young women, young talent. And beneath all of it, they are talking about being at church as a kid. It's human connection. It feels to me like what's really driving your career is connecting more deeply to other human beings and connecting them to each other. And music is your tool for that. But that's the driving force. Does that feel at all like how you would describe your career?
0: Well, I'm living inside of my body, so I, I wouldn't know, you know? <laughs> but let me, let me, I could just tell you people that I identify with, you know, like Bob Martin, yes. I identify with him. Bob Dylan, I can identify with him. Also, like when I was younger, I like Cap Calloway. So to your point, and what did they all have? They had that natural ability of like human connection to show
1: We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, Wycliffe explains why his dad thought it would be a good idea to move to New Jersey.
0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org
1: backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life— When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the LinkedIn Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Whitecliff was born in Haiti, and it's still a heart home for him. He was a kid there, and the place, the people, they inspire a lot of his creativity. But he left early.
0: I left Haiti when I was 10 years old. I came to Brooklyn. I grew up in Marlboro Projects, Coney Island. Anybody that know about Coney Island in the 80s at the time, Marlboro Project, that whole area was ran by the mob, feel me? So as a young kid, it was good that I didn't speak English too well, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so. I speak no English. I don't know how to run numbers, you know? (laughs) So, um, So you can imagine what Coney Island was like back then. And the projects was crazy. And my father was always constantly trying to gear us, steer us in the right way. Cousins get shot, stabbing, you know. And I'm in the midst of all this, you know what I mean? This is me, young age. So my father takes us and he moves us to New Jersey. Only reason we went to Jersey because one day he was driving in the highway and he saw something that said Garden State. And my dad is a farmer. So he assumed that Garden State meant like the land of farming. <laughs> but, and we get to Jersey and, you know, definitely East Orange, Newark, New Jersey. There was no farming going on in there. So at the time, though, I'll never forget I was outside in the playground and I saw two kids in front of each other and saying the most obscene, obscene stuff to each other, close up in each other's faces, and there was a big crowd around them. And the crowd was going, ooh, ah, did you hear that? And it literally looked like a boxing match, but it was, the best way to explain it, it was like Shakespearean jousting. So when you look at the, the movie Eminem, Eight Miles, multiply that times one trillion. That That's what's on the playground. And I, I looked at my boy and I said, yo, did you hear what he just said about dude's mama? Like dude just said, dude's mama, a prostitute. Like, do you hear what he's saying? And the dude's like, yeah. And I said, but how come he not pulling out on him? He says, cause it's called battle rapping. And what they do is, you know, these gangs or, or these communities, these tribes, they all show up and the same way the breakdancers go at it, they go at it lyrically. So I was like, man, if I learn how to become like a wordsmith like this, I don't ever gotta like slap box. I don't gotta walk around with my machete. You feel me? Like, and it's like long before Naughty by Nature, why Clef had a machete for real? So I'm like, okay, this is gonna be great. So I go ahead and I'm starting to learn how to speak English. So in this process, Shakespeare, The Twelfth Night, right? For example, you know, Malvolio, you start going into like these different stories, West Side Story, right? Gloria Maria. So then I became the best battle rapper to come out of my high school. And one day I was in the cafeteria with my bubble goose on my scullion, right? And all by myself in the auditorium and I'm the baddest battle rapper and there's a piano there, right? So. Right, And then a music teacher walks in and she goes, yo, where did you learn how to do that? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know, I just, I can't hear it. I play in my daddy's church every Sunday. And she was like, how many instruments you play? And I was like, I play like 12, 13. And she was like, what don't you play, right? (laughs) And I was like, I don't play upright bass. And she was like, great, tomorrow report to jazz at this time, we're starting you off with upright bass. We're going to teach you how to read sheet music. And I was like, nah, I'm going to have to pass on that because I want to be a battle rapper like LL Cool J. And that's what I'm going to be like. I got my whole career set. She was like, Tomorrow, you're reporting for jazz. So, literally, she twisted my arm, and tomorrow I report for jazz. And she started to teach me sheet music. And she was like, Don't forget, you are not just a rapper, you're a rapper, you're a composer, you're a producer. But now let's put it all together. She says, Don't you want to be like Quincy Jones, like be able to do it all? And she was like, Can you imagine in a few years? When someone is calling you to do a movie score and you got to pay somebody else forty thousand, is that what you want, man? Look, I'm from the hood. Somebody said I got pay somebody forty k. Man, I was like, where do I start? Every good boy does fine. Uh, face, fac. <laughs> so you start, and literally, he is the reason that I got a chance to put a two and a half hour show together of Carnegie Hall. So for me, one of my greatest moments was. When I got a chance to, if people haven't seen that, you definitely got to see it. Why Clapping Friends at Carnegie Hall? I bought in the Philharmonic Orchestra. This is Whitney, Destiny Child, Charlotte Church, Mark Anthony. I brought all my friends together. And when I saw my music teacher, so when I brought it back and was like, I want to perform at Carnegie Hall, I have forgotten how to read sheet music. Do you know what she did? Literally in three months, she made my whole memory came back. She was like, do you remember the first thing that I taught you? I was like, yes, the upright bass. You said I would learn bass. She said, yes. All you have to do is follow the bass dots. Do you remember how to follow the bass dots? That's why I had you learn the upright bass first, because the bass dots would be the easiest for you to follow. All Clef, of Clef,
1: where is she? What's her name? She sounds amazing.
0: Her name is Valerie Price, and she's still here with us today. And we talk every two weeks.
1: That's really awesome. So what did that teach you about mentorship, about the kind of person you wanted to be?
0: Well, it just taught me that I got to pass the information. You don't hold the information. You have to constantly grow with this information. This is what she instilled in me, basically. As of a year and a half ago, I started working on what will be the first score, jingle company of diversity, because at the end of the day, there's so many... And these communities that are like me that maybe want to be a composer and they probably is a battle rapper right now. Right. So my job is to be like, oh, look, look, this movie coming out. This is coming out. Why don't you try to score for this? So she taught me that the most important part of my life is you got to constantly pass the information. Right. So that's what I do.
1: Well, tell us about that company. You raised you venture capital for that company, right? You raised, what, $25 million?
0: Well, two companies. One, the company that we raised $25 million for is a publishing company, right? And why did I start that pub company? Um, and then if you notice, like I said, a lot of what's going on in Africa and in the Caribbean and in the rural areas of America was the idea to start to present a new model for kids where – literally you can own what you have it's not about just giving you money right because coming up somebody gave us money right and a lot of us now are trying to see how we can get our masters back right <laughs> you understand but when we was little nobody was like oh listen uh you might not want to take this 3 million dollars you know because it's going to take you this long not only to pay it back but also they're going to own a lot of your shit you know what i mean so what we've done was i've created something where i call it like generational wealth because at the end of the day if the future is going to be better the world has to be better so if america's going to be better africa got to be better the middle east got to be better europe got to be better so the thing is how do we start to recreate you know new dnas and what that means is we have to give kids economical freedom But at the same time, manage and teach them how to move wisely. So that's what we did with uh, with the twenty five, and then with as far as like the source company, I'm gonna tell y'all right now, and everybody that's listening, we score with Soul. And at the end of the day, y'all know where y'all getting y'all music for y'all podcasts. Y'all know where y'all getting y'all music for y'all movies. Y'all know where. So it's only natural. That this space for me is important because earlier we talked about vibration, right? So at the end of the day, um, what I'm going to be bringing to the world is a new era of vibration that is needed, and not just with myself. I'm excited because I'm I'm going to be representing all of these like crazy little composers that you may not hear of yet, right? Because we constantly hear we know the rappers, right? We know the singers, we know all of that. We are highlighting this. So why Klev John in the spirits of my godfather, Quincy Jones, this is a new era. You know what I'm saying? we back in the Renaissance era. So I'm excited about that.
1: So the reason you first reached out to me, Wacklef, was because you have your own podcast and video series. Oh, run that back! It's fun. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, I was thinking about how to describe it for our listeners. It feels kind of like I landed in your living room for an hour with whoever happened to be there.
0: <laughs> you did.
1: <laughs> what are you hoping to do with Run That Back?
0: Run That Back, for me, I'm inspired by a show in England called Juice Holland. And that show is where musicians get together and they all jam. And at that, some of it is like discovery. Some of it is artists that you already know. So I had this idea, like, five years ago. And I was like, okay, when I turn 50, one of my components is going to be my Jules Holland show. And while we was getting ready to do this, boom, COVID-19 hit, right? And I said, can't have the musicians come to my house now, right? Because literally, I got like, my back house is all set up for musicians, you know what I mean? Like, I call it a fun house for music people. So I said, how are we going to start this thing? So I was like, okay. I have an idea. So the idea of run that back is what if being that we can't get to you physically, what happens if I call, like, let's just take a Shaq, right? So let's say, like, if I call Shaq, I say to y'all, I don't know how to do no interviews, but I'm great in having a conversation, right? So the reason why everyone feels good Is because it's literally a conversation. And I think the conversation is very simple. How are you doing? Like, excuse my French, everything else. How is it going? Like, how do you feel? And so, a lot of times, we put the artists, we put the sports figures, we put the tech figures in this like godly myth space Mm -hmm. where they don't bleed. So, what happens is I just completely bring it down. And every artist, that's on Run That Back, I give every artist a gift. The artist will not leave without a gift. And the people that are listening participate in the same gift that I'm giving the artist. And what is that? The gift of music. But you're like, hold on, Clef, explain that a little more. What that means is when an artist is coming on the show, I produce a record for them that they've never heard before. So now let's just take Will I Am. So Will I am comes. I call Will my twin brother, and when Will I am is coming on, a lot of people call like Will the young Wyclef. You know what I'm saying? The Black Eyed Peas, the new Fujis, right? And as this is going on, me and Will never get a chance to talk about what really happened. You feel me? So, but I bought a gift for Will. So we're talking about it. He's talking about you know how how the peace came about, and it was telling him. This is the guy. You got to follow what this guy's doing. Create your own score. And before we leave, I give Will a gift. What gift can I give Will I am? I tell Will, well, look, man, if ever the Fuji's and the Black IPs got together and did one record, this is probably what it would have sounded like, right? So through the Run That Back, um, we're able to take a moment in history. So with Shaq, Um, I go back to Shaq because when I spoke to Shaq and then we went into Kobe, right? How do we go into Kobe? But there's a very unique story because Shaq had a record deal and Shaq was rapping. And at the end of the day, Kobe was getting a deal at Columbia Records. This lends itself to a complete different story that the audience haven't heard. Now, what happens before Shaq leaves? And y'all hear Shaq rapping over Guantanamo from the carnival. How is that going to sound like? You're like, hold up, Shaq is rapping on a Yes, Shaq is, is from Jersey. Shaq is from the projects. Shaq thought, you know, rapping is part of what Shaq does. So for me, this is some of what's incredible on a podcast on one side. It's like the human factor, the basis of how are you today? You know what I mean?
1: There's room for all of you. There's room for you to be the godlike mythical figure that we make our CEOs and founders and musicians and actors and actresses into, but also maybe to be a little human and maybe to create together.
0: Yes, because they say even the gods bleed. What that means is we definitely need that. Are y'all okay today from (laughs) y'all?
1: It does lead me to want to ask you, do you feel like you have been held to that high standard? Do you feel like you get to be human? Do you get to bleed?
0: Yeah, I definitely get to bleed. I get to suffer. The difference with my bleeding is y'all with me, right? And what that means is to whom much is given, right? Much is required. So I've bled. Y'all see me cry. Y'all see me go through all kinds of controversy. Like y'all watched it. You know, at times on the internet, you know, you I am chastised. You know what I'm saying? You are taking by public opinion until you can reverse that, right? But all of it, it just comes with it, right? So at the end of the day, it, I constantly will rise like a phoenix. And the reason why is because I have a simple philosophy. Before myself, I always put people first. I'm a general I don't eat until my people eat. I don't move until my people move. And that's really a simple philosophy. Do unto others as you would have done unto you.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, listen, Clef, it's been a big year. How are you?
0: I feel that the media has a microphone. And this is like the biggest microphone. And I don't care which network it is the amplification of bad news and hate and what's going on is so amplified, right? And when people ask me, are we divided? I say, yeah, we divided, but there's more love than hate. Out of 10 news stories, there's some good stuff going on in the world too. Why are we not talking about that? At the end of the day, if we're going to keep moving forward, we have to rebuke everything that is hatred from the past. I can talk to y'all because I have right in my family, I have left, I have center. This is a human conversation. So as human beings, we all have to focus on more love.
1: That was Cliff Sean. You can catch the first season of Run That Back. And please do catch it wherever you get your podcasts. So I came away from my conversation with Wycliffe, keenly aware of his passion for people, for connection, for passing on information. All of these things are deeply important to us here at Hello Monday as well. Our annual listener survey is live. If you haven't yet, please fill it out. Your answers will help us with our programming next year. You can check it out at linkedin.com forward slash Hello Monday. That's linkedin.com forward slash Hello Monday. Takes about five minutes. Thank you. Wycliffe gives a lot of credit to his music teacher. Her name was Valerie Price. He really suggests that she taught him a lot of the intrinsic values that power his work even today. For our last office hours of 2020, I hope you'll come and share a story about a teacher who inspired you, who shaped how you see the world. Come chat about it with my colleague, Michaela Greer and me. We'll convene Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. Want the link? Follow me on LinkedIn at Jesse Hempel or email us at monday at linkedin.com. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show was produced by Sarah Storm. Joe DiGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Uriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Juliette Barreau and Victoria Taylor gave us the gift of their wisdom all year at Hello Monday. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You also heard music from Poddington Bear. Dan Rock is the editor in chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening.
0: Mais tu parles français?
1: Mais oui, je parle français. On M- cap à l'créole un petit petit t-
0: Un mélange français et créole aussi.
1: Oui, c'est 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 même même.
0: Oui, c'est, c'est le même.
1: Et, et moi, je parle français, mais quand je j'avais à, à Paris. Oui. They say, you don't speak French. I don't know what you speak. Because <laughs> cause, cause Haiti improved my French. And yeah. uh, then the people in France were like, "What what is that?
0: Yeah, no, Paris is a whole nother thing. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? It's a whole nother thing. <laughs>
1: it's true.